Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Lower and once you're in a Donaldson, Lish, and if I got in, I can hear Lord Jeffrey the the dinner be. Me head will impose his shock on Ian Rodiano when he wear a lestad car Lish no budge book a shoot. Skilty, fis, turmi. Ni majigiri in drama honyal ama, tamajigiri majhen honyal esta. Shachtan, find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby Podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. Please be advised that today's podcast contains content regarding murder that some listeners may find distressing. There is great sadness in our community today. There has been great sadness over the last week. That grief continues to pervade our community. Today on the Indo-Daily, two murders, one serious attack and the five days that left Sligo reeling. It began on Saturday, April 9th, 2022. Anthony Burke, a quiet man in his 40s, set off from his bungalow to meet somebody near the Sligo racecourse. He had been talking to a man online, Joseph Pellini, but it is believed the pair had never met in person. Their meeting turned violent and Anthony suffered a serious eye injury but escaped with his life. What followed was a horror beyond what anybody in the town could have imagined. I'm Kevin Doyle and today on the Indo Daily I'm joined by the Irish Independent Special Correspondent Catherine Fegan to look back at the case of the Sligo murders and a new twist which was uncovered this week. The town of Sligo here in the northwest of Ireland remains in shock this evening after the discovery of the bodies of two men brutally murdered, both men suffering significant physical injuries according to police after their deaths. Catherine Fegan, take us back to April 2022. It was just three months after the tragic loss of Ashleen Murphy. The country had been reeling from that and then another shocking crime. Yes, it's a weekend in early April. It's Sunday, the 10th of April. The location is Slago Town and we have local man, Aidan Moffat, in his, his local water and hole. He's having a pint. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's something he did every Sunday. He's there with his friends and he's on his phone and he's going to meet, meet somebody he's been in contact with online. Nobody in the pub knows this. He just has his pint and heads off. It's, a, it's about 4.30 in the afternoon. And that's the last any of them see of him. Nothing strange happens until the following day, the Monday, a neighbour across the road, it's about 8.30 in the evening, she hears the sounds of an ambulance, looks out the window and can see Gardy at the property. 
Now, friends and family had tried to make contact with Aidan Moffat all day on the Monday and weren't able to. And they got a neighbour with the key to the property to gain access. And it's there that the grim discovery of uh, Mr Moffat's remains are found in the property and and the guards are alerted and come to the scene. It's uh, clear that uh, Mr Moffat has met a very violent end. It's a very gruesome scene and the whole community is in absolute shock. And that was the start of something that then took on an even more sinister set of circumstances, if you like, Michael Snee, tell me about him. Well, so that's the Monday and we have this really shocking discovery of Mr Moffat's uh, remains. Then in another part of Slago Town, less than two kilometres away on the Tuesday, we have the discovery of another set of remains. And this time it is local man Michael Snee, who was a 58-year-old retiree, again lived alone like Ed Moffat. Uh, he uh, ha- had been in contact with somebody online, had arranged to meet them and let this person into his home. Now, his body is discovered by two of his teenage nieces. Again, a very gruesome discovery, a uh, horrific crime scene. And the guards are called to this, this scene on the Tuesday evening. So now we have two men murdered in their homes, quite close to each other in Sago Town, less than 24 hours apart. How quickly did Gardy put the two crimes together? Well, the timeline is very close here. Um, so there was a lot of activity at the time around this. I think pretty quickly after the second discovery, they realised there may be a connection to this. And after Mr. Schnee's uh, remains were found, they quickly organised a criminal investigation into this. And it was in the early hours of the Wednesday morning that they apprehended a suspect. And this was Yusuf Polini, a 22-year-old from Slago Town, who had, who had come to the area when he was around six years of age. Uh, he was of Iraqi descent. But then it emerged that actually there had been another attack days earlier, which left another man seriously injured. But thankfully, he escaped with his life. Yes, this had all begun on the Saturday, which was the the 9th of April. We have another man and his name is Anthony Burke. Again, lived on his own. He had a dog, uh, quite a quiet individual. He's in his 40s. He is in contact with a man online who will later learn is Yusef Polini. He arranges to meet him near Slago Racecourse. It's an open uh, public area, which is unlike the other two circumstances. Um, he goes to meet him. It's not known how long they're together, but uh, during the meeting at some point, Mr. Burke is viciously attacked with a sharp implement and he's been left with severe injuries to one eye, almost blinded. But during the commotion, obviously, a a fight ensues between the two men. Plainly, he he flees the scene as soon as passersby uh, sort of come to Mr. Mr. Burke's help. He flees the scene and it's believed that he may well have gone further with, with Anthony Burke and he could have been a third murder victim. You went to Sligo at the time, Catherine. There was huge fear in the town, wasn't there? Yes, particularly because in the case of Mr. Snee and Mr. Moffat, they didn't live in uh, very isolated areas. They were quite populated residential areas. There were lots of neighbours, you know, people came and went. 
they weren't living under obscurity as such. It was it was very open, and so people were very very nervous that this could happen. There was a kind of fear that there was somebody on the loose in the town and who was going to be next. And at one point, there was a rumour going around that there was a third victim. So it was a real sense of panic and people were, especially around Mr. Schnee's uh, neighbourhood, people were afraid to come out of their houses. You know, they were talking to you through windows and really, really, really frightened. And very quickly after this had happened, um, the, the circumstances of the murders and the, the sort of horrific violence involved was common knowledge among people. So there was that kind of very sinister and dark element to it all. And people were just really shocked and so scared. And of course, the victims here, Aidan Moffat was a well-known local auctioneer, Fine Gael activist. You talked about him going out for his pint on a Sunday. Um, very outgoing, uh, popular man. Michael Snee was a retired healthcare worker. So they, they weren't um, reclusive in any way. They were very normal, average people. As you say, Aidan Moffat, very involved in the community and all his neighbours knew him. He was very well liked, very active. He dabbled in local politics. He was always out and about and it was very close to his mother as well. He looked after his mother who lived in nearby Roscommon. He was very close to her. and Everybody knew about that relationship. And then Mr. Snee, he was very good in the community as well to, to people who needed care. And he had worked with people who had um, intellectual disabilities during his career. He had been a former barman at one one stage. So he knew a lot of people locally. And like you say, it wasn't that, you know, these men kind of lived very private lives. They were out and about, well known. And there was an extra element of shock because of that, I think. Now, you mentioned there was an online element in terms of how the two men met um, with the man now convicted of their murder. Tell us about how Gardy arrived at the door of Joseph Polini. Well, again, this happened quite quickly after the discovery of the second body. Um, and there was a press conference called in relation to this crime. And during that press conference, the Garda Superintendent involved said at the time that you know they were looking at a possible hate crime motive number one that they weren't and they weren't ruling anything out but it could have been a possible hate crime motive behind all of this and he spoke about internet activity and warned people about meeting people online to be cautious and all of this Gardy are also investigating whether Michael and Aidan met their attacker online meeting people online is a normal activity Meeting people online should be a safe activity. But as with any online activity, everybody should be aware of personal safety advice, which we have provided on the Garda website. So at that stage, it was clear that had some sort of indication that, like you said, these men had been, you know, in contact online and they've been looking at all of that. And there were phones involved in this, there were laptops involved in this, and they were able to trace Joseph Polini to his address in Sligo town. He lived in a place called Markievicz Heights. Uh, and in the middle of the night, in the very early hours, actually, of, of the Wednesday morning, they descend on, on the property he was living in. And it's a huge guard operation. 
and there they they find Joseph Polini and they take him into custody. He's arrested and taken into custody immediately, and a very high-profile court appearance follows the day or two later. There was a very angry reaction, wasn't there? Yeah, it was April 14th when he appeared in Slago District Courthouse. There was a huge presence outside the, the courthouse on that occasion. Uh, lots of very angry people had had appeared to see him. There was lots of video footage, lots of heckling, a lot of shouting. Uh, and people were really revulsed at the circumstances of what had happened. And it, it attracted a huge amount of attention at the time. Now, this story is back in the news this week, Catherine, because more than a year on, Josef Polini has pleaded guilty to murder, which is very unusual in these cases because normally somebody facing a murder charge will contest that in court. They t- people tend to plead not guilty because you are facing life in prison. Yusuf Palani, with an address at Markovic Heights in the town, had been due to go on trial later this year. However, he pleaded guilty at the Central Criminal Court this morning. Yes, and it was expected that this case would go to trial. Indeed, time had been set aside for a four-week trial in November of this year. And then we have Yusuf Palani entering these guilty pleas. He pleaded guilty to, to murdering both men and also to assaulting Mr Burke and he, he will be taken back to court in October of this year where there'll be a sentencing hearing and we'll have victim impact statements from the families of both those men and indeed um, Mr Burke who survived. And we expect that to take place in October? October 23rd is the date for that sentencing hearing. So that came kind of out of the blue this week, it's fair to say. Our colleague Ken Foy had a very interesting story as well, which is new information that we didn't know previously. Tell me about that. Yes, this is a separate, unrelated twist to the story, I suppose. Um, when Mr. Polini was uh, originally arrested and charged, guards went into his property and obviously there was an extensive search of that property. Now, during that search, they find hidden somewhere in the property uh, a six-figure sum of cash. Uh, it's not known, you know, where this money has originated from, but it has been said, and Ken has this in his piece, that it's not suspected to, to have originated from criminality and that, that there's a separate inquiry into this money and where it's come from. It's, it's been seized by the Criminal Assets Bureau. Of course, a big part of the guard investigation was trying to find out what was the motive behind these killings because they seemed so random. Guardi do seem satisfied that Joseph Polini was effectively a lone wolf. That the motive perhaps has never been fully clear, but he he was acting alone. He wasn't radicalized. He just decided to do this and we may never know why. Yes, no, no motive according to Gardy and Yusuf Polini. He's never come to the attention of Gardy before this. Uh, he came to Ireland, like I say, when he was aged four. A very normal upbringing, went to the local primary school in, in Slago, went to the secondary school. And then all of a sudden turns to these gruesome uh, crimes, murders two men. Um, viciously assaults another and there's no known reason for it. It did spark a reaction from the LGBT community at the time though, didn't it? 
has been extremely shocking for our community, but for Sligo as a whole, and I want to extend my deepest sympathies towards the families and friends as they grieve their losses and process these traumas at this time. Yes, at the time there was a huge reaction um, from the LGBT community. There was a number of vigils held all across the country uh, from people from all walks of life. I think everybody was was united in, in just sheer horror at this, um, repulsed by the details and really saddened by the, the deaths and the way these men had taken somebody into the safety of their own homes and then were just subjected to such levels of violence for no reason whatsoever. There were vigils that took place in Sligo, Dublin, Limerick, Waterford, Belfast, Cork, other parts of the country as well. And the political reaction, Catherine, Helen McEntee, the Justice Minister, describing the murders as atrocious crimes, it it really is very unusual for us here in Ireland to see a scenario where two people would be killed so randomly and so close together. It really stands out as as a crime, doesn't it? Yes, like you say, we had the Justice Minister come out saying there were atrocious crimes. We had the Taoiseach, the Michal Martin, saying he was deeply concerned. Uh, I think most of the political parties came out at the time and said, you know, this is shocking. You know, everybody was deeply distressed and concerned. There was a real widespread feeling of shock, disgust and this feeling of we can't let this kind of thing happen in our country and we won't stand by by and let this happen. And I guess for the families, there may be some comfort now that the guilty plea means there won't be a full trial Four weeks where we have to perhaps go through all the evidence that would some relief. Have you spoken to people in Sligo yesterday? What kind of reaction did they have? The reaction yesterday was one of relief for the families because they won't be subjected to the whole trial process. It's really grueling. You know, as you said, a lot of uncomfortable and disturbing details come out in trials, particularly about cause of death and how these people might have met their end. Mr Moffat and Mr Sneed, the two murdered men, were just so well liked and their families were so well regarded that I think everybody is just relieved that this part of the story is now at an end. And then there's a huge part of them also relieved that Yusuf Polanyi is going to be in prison for a very, very long time. That justice will be seen in this case and would be seen to be seen. These men can be remembered for the lives they live now rather than how they met their end. My thanks to Irish Independent Special Correspondent Catherine Feegan. I'm Kevin Doyle and today's episode was produced by Garrett Mulhall, researched by Sylvia O'Morodian with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips were from RTE, Sky News, Virgin Media and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.